<laughs> G'day and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of The Good, The Bad, The Rugby Australia Gebra. 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 Let's consider this the after party after one hell of a hangover. Is that the best way to describe it? Yeah, I think so. Look, we're all back on home soil and... Uh, <laughs> and are actually, we happy about that? Well, there was times where I didn't think I'd actually make it. No, no, we didn't either. Now, I, I haven't introduced you yet, Sorry. so don't go too heavy on your, what you're saying, because uh, mm. I've got a you know, big thanks to our good friends at Harvey Norman, a respectable family favourite and successful enterprise business. Thanks once again, Harvey Norman. Uh, and just like that, it's all over. We're back in the comfort of our studio. Um, guys, Ruggies here. The rug. How good. So good to be so back good. on the rug. Um, good to be back. Sad that him. someone else isn't here, though. It is very sad. Uh, I welcome you first, Drew Mitchell. Biv, how are you? Glad you're alive. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Fresh off the plane. This morning? Yeah. What day? Well, Friday. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Today's Friday, prof. It is. I know you'd lose days and lots of stuff coming back, but I'm here and I'm, I feel good. Mate, I was going to say, it must have been a good flight. Well, I, I, it couldn't have been worse. I was 86D, middle seat, no one behind me. I was at the arse end of the plane. But you know what? That's the amazing things about... Uh, Prescribed drugs. <laughs> and they are prescribed, prescribed by, by a who? licensed doctor. <laughs> Dr. Nick. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, sitting next to Drew, um, who is, well, I'm going to say a little worse for wear. It's Adam Ashley Cooper. Um, holiday Swoop is sadly still in France. He's still there. Which Swoop have we got here today? Well, not corporate Swoop yet because I haven't um, informed the boss that I'm back yet. So... There's no 12s or 2s today, but um, no, look, yeah, look, it's good to be home. Feet back on the rug. The immune system shot to pieces. Swoop D-O-double is D-E-D. Yeah. <laughs> he is dead. <laughs> he, uh, the, just to pull back the curtain a touch, there was a phone call about, ooh, what, 45 minutes before mm. record from D-O-double saying, yeah. I can't do it. I just couldn't do it. I'm dead. Couldn't do it. But then you dragged him out of bed, Yeah, yeah I said, well, you can't invoice us if you don't turn up. <laughs> here he is. Here ding, I ding, am. Ding. Now, there is a member of the uh, thruple that isn't here for this record today, and it's very sad. It's never the same when he's not in studio. Uh, we do, uh, well, it's not the same, is it? It's never the same, but he's in the other studio that he does all of his work at. Matthew Giddo, are you hey, there? Was that, was that my intro? Yes. <laughs> yeah, down in the, in the gym here. Um... Now that it's Friday, I'm not sure what day I got in, but uh, haven't been sleeping well. But looking forward to this. It's sad, isn't it? Really, that I'm not there. I miss you guys. Yeah. Well, well, it won't be long, and you'll be back up here. Um, I've got no doubt that uh, we'll be starting again soon. We've got to work all that out. Yeah. Um, actually, right in. When do you want us to start? Um, I'm thinking Six Nations. Well, Six Nations early, early next year, 2024, because there's obviously no rugby down here in the south for quite some time. I mean. Maybe we could do a Christmas special. I don't know. Oh, I'd love to do a Christmas special with we Christmas sweaters, eggnog. Gits, would you come up for a Christmas special? You boys not keen on coming down? <laughs> <laughs> I always like going down, Goit. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Cheeky thing. Uh, we could do it in his gym. That'd be good. What, what sort of temperatures are you looking at around December down there in your gym? No, it stays pretty constant. It's around uh, an 18, maybe. <laughs> Bullshit, and that'll be 35 degrees, won't it? We'll be sweating our nuts off. Um, well, gentlemen, a few things have happened since we have returned, um, and we're going to go through all of this. So, obviously, England, they won the bronze medal match against Argentina. We'll, yep. uh, we'll touch on that. South Africa, they defeated uh, New Zealand in the final. They got up by one point, third game in a row by one. We'll, uh, we'll get into that nice and deep 
I don't know if you guys heard, but the World Rugby Awards took place. I believe one of our members was there. Yeah, I was there. Part. It was a beautiful venue. Magic venue. Yeah, we'll talk through that a little bit too. I'm obviously part of the, the voting panel for the Men's Breakthrough Player of the Year, Player of the Year and Dream Team. We can talk about Very how, good. We'll get into how that. we landed on that. Uh, and I've just read here, and Eddie Jones took a huge steaming dump on Australian rugby. So we'll get into that. <laughs> um, we'll... Um, <laughs> Get deep into that. People are dying to hear what you three think of it. Um, I don't know if you're all aligned with your views. It'll be interesting to see how we go with that. Um, now, let's get first of all into this. Um, we'll touch on it quickly. The bronze medal match. I'm a big fan of bronze medals. Um, I thought it was the pick of all the matches of the World Cup um, from it. <laughs> end to end, start to finish. Great match. England 26 defeated Argentina. 23, um, you three lads, you all picked Argentina leading into it. Uh, obviously, all big Michael Checker fans. Uh, yeah. Great watching him in the box, animated. Um, were you at the match? Uh, I had the nine o'clock sitting at Moulin Rouge, so I didn't see a minute of it. <laughs> Mate, very good match. Very good. Yeah. What happened? Tell us about what happened at Moulin Rouge. Um, mate, Moulin Rouge, is, it, was, it was good. Gitz was with me. Um, there's a lot of good dancers. Little um, little shimmies, and yeah, there's plenty to plenty to look at. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Could, yeah. Couldn't tell you anyone's eye color, because but... yeah. <laughs> of um, their outfits. Yeah, because of their outfits. Like, saying, yeah. Um, all right, well, that was the bronze medal match. <laughs> it's, uh, no, uh, obviously you watched every minute. Did you go out to it? Sweet? No, I didn't go out to it. Oh. I didn't watch it. Either. Okay. Hey, Gitz, did you happen to catch the bronze medal match? I didn't watch it live, but I um, watched the replay. I thought England probably should have – they had the game in control for large periods. That first half, I thought they showed how dominant um, and maybe a bit of confidence off the back of how they played against South Africa. Um, but credit to Argentina, they held in there uh, for large parts of that game. Unfortunately, didn't get it in the end. But that individual try from Carreras was something special. Mm. Absolutely. Now, uh, post-match check, he was quite vocal about the referee, Nick Berry. Did you agree with that assessment that the Argentinians were done a bit poorly there? Oh, I mean, I think anyone that's lost any of those medal games has had something to say about the refs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hesitant to get too critical on them. I think probably when you look at the medals uh, and how it all panned out in the end, I think the teams that deserved... Um, the medals probably probably got them. So, you know, I, I felt for Czech. I would love Argentina to get a medal, but I thought England were pretty dominant in that game. Now, England obviously did far better than anybody expected. We've touched on a lot. The basket case, um, the Demi Moore rooting a ghost. I mean, we don't need to go into it again. Um, would, they, would they be over the moon with how they finished? Yeah, I think we touched on in previous episodes. I don't think that... Anyone who didn't win the World Cup would be particularly happy. Uh, everyone goes there, um, you know, especially in the, the teams that were finishing the top four, top eight, whatever, all would have had ambitions and expectations for them to go on and win it. Um, and they, they fell short in, in that capacity. But after the semi final, you lose, you regroup. They made a number of changes. They had plenty to play for, too. There's some, you know, some big figures in that English side that were moving on afterwards. Uh, they got to go out on a winning note, which, is, which was great for them. Um, I had, yeah, I was, I was at the World Rugby Awards and lining up for my photo at the photo wall and Steve Borthwick and Owen Farrell. I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to front me about this basket case. Oh. But uh, no, they were pretty good about it. Shook their hands and said g'day and no mention of it. So I uh, got, away, got away with that one. I was sweating bullets. But I mean, it, 
I, I think the, you know, much like Giddy just alluded to, like their progression through the World Cup was was amazing. Um, before the, the World Cup, they weren't looking in particularly great shape. Uh, they found ways to win. They were dominant in a lot of areas. I thought their line speed in particular put a lot of teams under pressure uh, and they were connected in that area. And and, and again, I, I also thought that at the start of the tournament, George Ford was their man at number 10 because Owen Farrell wasn't being picked. You know, I thought it was pretty tough on George Ford not to get picked in the, the crucial games at the back end. But then on the performances from Owen Farrell, you could see it was justified. Um, I thought he really stood up as a leader, but also as their playmaker uh, defensively as well. So some strong performances for England. And, you know, I mean, I just think, yeah, in the end, you get what you deserve. And, and you know, they deserve to win that third that third place. Swoop. Jeez, I miss Marseille, Swoop. Mm. Where's yeah. he gone? He's still there. He's still there. He's still in Marseille. I mean, yeah, I think I think they can be proud, you know, the English mob. I think leading into the tournament, into that campaign, they were written off. They weren't backed. Uh, and they pressed, impressed um, throughout. I thought they were very unlucky not to get through that semi-final. I mean, you would have woken up the day after that if you're an English player thinking, how the fuck did we lose that game? So, you know, they were one, one point off um, and probably one critical moment off a, a final berth. But... Um, you know, they can be proud of their performances and no doubt they'll they'll go back to to their home or respective teams um, with their held, uh, held, held high. Um, anything else on that bronze medal match, Gitz? Should we move on to the final? Um, I mean, it's a tough one to get up for. You know, like both teams were eyeing off playing for, for the World Cup uh, and then to get knocked out in the semi and then regroup. It, it's almost like a Barbarians week. Like you have a few drinks and you know the game's at the end of it, but then when you actually get to the game, it's hard to get up for. Um, but then once you you get into the contest, um, the game starts, you get hit or something happens, then you obviously know you're playing for your country, but you, you start to compete and you start to get into it. I thought it was a really entertaining game. Um, I thought both teams could be you know super proud of the performance they put out there. But I think Drew's spot on as far as the way they – the way the draw worked out for England, it allowed them to build confidence. Um, I think 23 of their 30 um, or 33 in that squad were involved in the final in 2019. So they had a lot of experience and they had big game players. They just need to find their rhythm. Um, and they found it. They got a bronze medal. They should be proud, as should Argentina. I thought Michael Checker did an amazing job with them. Um so that's about it, Rolf. Perfect. Love it. All right, let's move on to the final. Um, New Zealand 11 were defeated by South Africa 12. A few key moments in, obviously, the second minute yellow to uh, Frizzell, um, who took out Bongi. Um, then, of course, Sam Kane in the 27th minute. It was a big moment. Got the yellow card that was then upgraded to a red. Is that what we say? Yeah, yeah, it was off for the off-field review. Got yeah. yeah, poor old Sam Kane, captain of your country in a final and then having to watch it from the sideline. Um, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been. Um, Khaleesi then uh, in the 45th minute, um, he got a yellow for also Ooh. a similar tackle but then wasn't upgraded. Um, mm. Then obviously disallowed try to Aaron Smith. Then Bowden Barrett did score. Um, and then obviously Geordie missed the conversion to take the lead. And then later on, uh, I think we remember that Geordie had a, another shot Long at goal, a penalty shot, yeah. from about 45 to 50 out on the right. And to be fair, Prof, to Geordie, it was Mwanga that missed the conversion. Apologies. Uh, I definitely didn't fill out this rundown. <laughs> no. Um, so, 
we all picked, well, three of us, three out of the four of us picked New Zealand to win. And yep. one of us picked the Springboks. I can't remember. You who. said Springboks by 50. Though. I don't remember the second bit of what I said. <laughs> I remember. So it was me that picked the Springboks. Yeah. Um, so I know heaps about so Union and you don't. Three rugby nuffies and one expert. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So here's my opinion on that final. Um, no. So did you all get to that game? Did you yeah, we're out to it? that game. Yeah. Look, and it was, you know, it was tough conditions for both sides, but fair bit of rain around. And uh, um, yeah, look, I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's ill discipline. It was inaccuracies, right? So small little things. I mean, well, Frizzell's one looked bad. Um, it had shades of Darcy Swain on Quinty Pyre and the uh, Bledisloe the year before. Just that clear out to the side, knee not in a great position, and uh, Manami stayed on for a little bit, but then had to get replaced uh, for, with Dion Fari pretty early um, thereafter. But yeah, I thought Sam Kane's one. You know, it's by letter of the law is right. Um, Khaleesi's was looks pretty similar. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to sit here and say that the game was decided by them because I thought it was a great contest. Uh, both sides had their opportunities, you know, even right at the end of, of the game. And, um, you know, for South Africa to come off and win their third game in a row by one point. Like that's, that to me speaks to experience and speaks to being in those big occasions and knowing how to get across the line and, uh, of, you know, in terms of the finish line. Um, you know, New Zealand were the only ones to score a try in that game in the second half. But, uh, you know, South Africa played the type of game that it took to win and, um, you know, and, you have to say they deserve a victors. And, um, you know, and again, just seeing Sia Khaleesi speak after the game was fantastic. Uh, he ran straight away, straight away over to Cheslin Colby, who also got a yellow card at the end of the uh, the game and made sure that he was fine and, and got around him as Colby well. Colby with like, his jersey up over his head. Yeah, I mean, that, to watch. That was just amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's, he would have hated those. Like, those last 10 minutes would have been the longest yeah. 10 in his life, you know. And, um, you know, but then for them to get the win... And just to see them celebrate, like, yeah, it was, it was special moments. And, uh, you know, that's going to do some fantastic things to, to unite a nation that Cleese speaks about it. You know, when people of colour come together and work for a common cause, you can do great things. Not to take anything away from the box and, you know, obviously their performance and their willingness to find a way to win. Like, that was incredible. Like, they did the last three, last couple of matches prior to the final. But, you know, speaking about the All Blacks, playing a man down for the majority of the team, mm. 14 men, and the way they stayed in the fight and were able to to come that close to, to winning a, um, a World Cup final with 14 men was, was pretty incredible. Like that speaks volumes of um, the character of that team too. So, I mean, you've got, you got to give credit to the All Blacks. It would have gone down as probably the greatest win, rugby rugby final win mm. in history, I reckon, if they, were, if they were able to kind of cross the line. But... Unfortunately, they didn't get there, but um, yeah, like like Drew said, the the box were were good, and you could see you could you could tell that um, they had something special brewing leading into that campaign. You know, they engaged well with their community, their fan base, their country, each other, their families. I mean, the way they celebrated straight over to where all the families and friends were was obviously very special for that team, but also pretty special to watch. So. I mean, yeah, it was an incredible final. It was, it was eventful. Um, it had it all. Yeah. Four, I think how many cards in total? Well, four, four and then one upgraded. Four upgraded. Yeah. It had it all. A uh, couple, a little bit of, couple little jersey punches too. A little bit of, bit of few, bit of a scrap. But mm. um, yeah, it was good to be out there and witness um, being a neutral, which, which witness such a contest. Now, Giddy, up in the corporate suite, um, <laughs> between 
bottles of uh, Moe. Mm. Did you match manage to catch much of the game or? I did. I, I as I was getting my neck massaged for most of the game, but <laughs> I, I thought um, exactly what you know both the boys have touched on. It was an incredible um, final. You know, I think the line speed in particular for me to watch that live, the line speed that the South Africans brought um, throughout that whole contest, just putting so much pressure on on the All Blacks was super impressive. You know, defensively, uh, Peter Steptoit was yeah. like phenomenal. He was lengths above everyone else. He was everywhere, smacking people hard. 28 um, tackles. Yeah, but it was, it was the way he was hitting. Like, he was... You could just see the intensity that they were bringing. I thought, as Swoop said, for for the All Blacks to still be in in a position to win that game with 14 men. For I'm not sure, was it at the 20th minute? Maybe Sam Kane got got that yellow card. 27th, it was. Red. What was it? Sorry, 27th. Yeah, so 53 minutes um, to still be in that contest um, speaks volumes. I think about their character, about uh, the culture that they've got there, how they they work hard for each other. I think the deserved winners in the end were obviously South Africa. You get what you deserve in sport. The one thing um, for me, well, there's two things. One, how ballsy was it picking a 7-1 bench? Mm. People talk about that, you know, it's not in the spirit of the game. And I think why not? You could pick eight if you wanted to have a whole game of forwards, but it's a risky play. So, you know, I thought that needs to be applauded. Um you know, the ballsy decision to go a 7-1 bench. And also on the 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 review system, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I think that for a ref to make that call, that's why he's in that position, you know, to actually make that call, whether he thinks it's a red or a yellow, and then it's definitive. To then pass the buck onto the TMO, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like that's taking away a little bit. Um, from the game, I would have liked um, Wayne Barnes, and I know it's not his fault; it's just the way it is at the moment. But this new introductory rule, where you give him a yellow, so as a ref, you can just call a yellow, and then it's out of your hands. You can then ref the game, and while that's happening, the decision of that player is still going on elsewhere. I just don't know, as a purist of the game, I don't know how I feel about that. What, what are your thoughts on it? Fellas? Yeah, well, I, I saw some interesting comments on former All Blacks coach uh, Steve Hansen. He said. The games now play uh, adjudicated in, in replay. So too often there's too much interjection from the TMO. And this isn't, you know, this isn't anything on the current referees because that's just how it is, right? Uh, the TMO is interjecting, interjecting, saying, oh, I saw this or I saw that. You might want to go back and have a look at this. Basically, they're only interjecting when the referees miss something, right? So he, he's, his thoughts and in his words were, we should only go to the TMO whether it's is this a try or no try or is there any reason why I can't award it or is there or can I award this try that's it and he kind of made reference to the rugby league bunker system because that's all they use it for uh, unless there's foul play but uh, there's there's just too much going to it because it's, it's stopping the flow of the game and there's too much interjection from the Timo who've got the luxury of going back and quickly looking at different angles and in slow motion and then going to the referee going, hang on a minute, let's go back five phases because you missed something here. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's – and it's – I don't know. I just think we're kind of getting into dangerous territory with rugby at the moment where there's just too much chat about the referee. Um, mm. And always when, when your team loses, there's always going to be a reason why. And, and quite often, rather than saying, okay, we just weren't good enough today, it was the referee's fault. So, I don't know. I think – it's something for conversations for, for higher above at World Rugby to make sure that we get the, the balance right. There's going to be human error. Like there's, 
you know, like much like every player's out there making errors, the referee's going to get make an error from time to time. And I, I think, you know, we've got them out there for a reason. We, we, we trust them to be in that position with the whistle. Let's actually show them that we've, they can, you know, we've got that trust in them and, 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 and accept sometimes they're going to get it wrong. And, you know, only bring in the TMO sparingly. Well, that TMO decision took nine minutes and 58 seconds to make. So they got 10 minutes to make it. Yeah. So there would have been people in there just shitting their pants going, <laughs> yeah. what do we do? What do we do? Which way do we go? Because they knew how massive that decision was. And then with two seconds to go, they go, boom, red card, yeah. Sam Kane. I'm sorry. Uh, the other uh, interesting, you were talking about ballsy moves with the 7-1 bench. Um, dropping Leboc for yeah. Pollard, that was... Uh, that's pretty big, right? He's been there starting 10 for the last couple of years. And then in the World Cup final, you go, uh, you're not even playing. Yeah, well, I mean, Andre Pollard was injured at the beginning of their campaign. He came in late when he was um, when he was fit to play. And, and LeBoc had done a fantastic um, job for a long time for the Springboks. And the one thing I will say, and there's, there's comments from within the camp, whether it's C or whether it's Rassi Rasmus or Niambar, the coach, saying, you know, it's, it's a squad first mentality and all that sort of stuff. I get that, but... Pulling a kid off um, at 30 minutes in the semi-final and then not being involved in the 23 can have a huge impact on them. We've seen it plenty of times with what we've done to some of the young tens here in Australia. It can you can lose all momentum, you can lose all confidence, you can you can start doubting yourself, and and often it really stunts someone's development going through. Now it's now up to those same people that made those decisions to make sure that he's got the support around him and to not just feel like yeah they're just comments to say oh you know it's it's a team first type of thing to make sure that it doesn't have a lasting effect on him, that we do see him back in the international arena for many years to come because he's clearly talented and he's well-liked within the team as well. There were, I was at the World Rugby Awards and every time he came up on uh, on the big screen, he was a nominee for Breakthrough Player. Like He got like rapturous applause from all his teammates because the entire Springbok team were there. So he's well-liked, but it's just about making sure that you know he can get over this, that well, that dropping. Well, firstly, the interchange, but then also the dropping to make sure that it doesn't stop his development. He actually goes on and fulfills the, the, the enormous, um, you know, d- talent and, and, and future that he's got. Absolutely. Well, it was also, how much do you, do you know that it was a dropping? Yeah, I think Pollard it definitely justified the decision. I thought he was the unsung hero. I mean, a lot of people gave him raps, but I don't think he got as many as he deserved. Obviously, he goal-kicked super well, but defensively, he was good. Um, he made the right decision more often than not. Yep. And I think it was more the 7-1 split that probably forced their hand. So I don't know. I agree with you. Hopefully, you know, the box got a lot of confidence. They explained the reasons why they went in a different direction. Um, and they do talk about that that team first um, mentality. So hopefully it hasn't knocked his confidence at all. Um, you know, we'll only know next year. But I think... The decision was justified by the way that Pollard and Faf de Klerk, he Faf hadn't been starting many of the games either, but the way they saw that game pairing out, I thought those halves did a tremendous job. Yeah. So I guess the question is, in terms of teams that have ever won the World Cup and the ways that they did it, where do you place this South African team? Well, it's got to be up there. I saw some uh, comments from Ibn Etzbeth saying we'll be remembered for the you know, being the greatest team ever in mm. history. And then... They've definitely got arguments for that. I mean, and it because it wasn't just the fifteen; it was the is a twenty three. We've touched touched on the bench, and you know, I thought um, Peter Steph to toy um, Mostert uh, at at six. He didn't miss a tackle in the entire tournament. Uh, but then you got Cogger Smith; like he came on 
and just, he's just an absolute workhorse. He's been playing in Japan for a number of years. Everyone questioned it. He went and take to take more money at a, a, a lesser, in some people's eyes, um, competition. And he's in those five years, he's won two World Cups. So you know, and he's been an integral part of that. So um, yeah, I mean they they've got a strong side from from not just one to twenty three, but thirty one in this case. You know, like everyone that came in, Cannon Moody who didn't play in the final. Um, uh, Makazoli Mapimpi as well. He broke his cheekbone. He was there to celebrate with them in the final. Like they've just they had a full squad uh, effort, and you know, and, and all, every single one of them deserved to have a, a medal around their neck. Goody, yeah, I, I didn't know. I thought Swoop was actually going to talk, but if he's not, then I'll. Um, yeah, so, I thought this is a little bit like the Jordan Lebron Kobe kind of argument. You're never going to find uh, an actual answer. I think they're a phenomenal team. Um, they're a World Cup, obviously, performing team. Um, and I think the way that they won this tournament through those tough games and how they did it, using their bench, changing different things, I thought the, the squad mentality that Drew touched upon showed they're, they're a very good side. And they've got a good, you know, obviously a good claim to, or a good cause to claim that they could be one of the best ever. But to actually say they are, I'm, I'm not too sure. We, we face some pretty decent teams back in our day as well. There's strong arguments for it, that's for sure. Like I mean, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to claim because each each World Cup is a different era, each four years. Um so, I mean, but there's strong arguments for them to be the best team in the world over the last eight years for sure. They can certainly claim that they've won the last two World Cups. And to to win two World Cups back to back, you know, says speaks volumes for for the quality of that team and the quality of the outfit and what they've done over the last eight years to prepare to win a rugby world cup. I mean I mean, but there's some. There's been some great wins. That, uh, sorry, great teams that have won World Cups over the years. Particularly that, the 2015 team that beat the Wallabies in that final. Yeah, they were good. You know, they, they, they had to be cool. very good. Let's say they're the best. That, no, I'd say that. that. <laughs> and then that Wallabies team that lost well, second. Yeah, there, there's just no right or wrong answer, right? Like, because yeah. well, there's just well, you know what's good. Whatever you say, there's a bunch of people at home on their keyboards that'll tell you you're wrong. No, of course. So, of course. <laughs> So I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm still telling you wrong. Sit on the fence, boys. That's the easiest. <laughs> no, thing I just to do. think look, they're great. I mean, they're definitely the best team at the moment. So um, <laughs> let's put it at that right now. <laughs> best team right now. Um, well, yeah. Congrats to South Africa. What a tournament it was for all of us. And I just want to commend the three on you, three of you on your rugby chat. Thanks. It's very good. Like, and we, you know, touched on what great pundits you all are, um, and people have enjoyed listening to it. And um, and I haven't. I've learned a lot. We're great. Uh, we're not very good tipsters, though. I worked out that we um, we didn't really pick too many winners. And the one team that we constantly got messages, please don't support us, please don't support us, was South Africa. We didn't, and they win. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. that's the key. Well, there you go. That's why they won. Other than me, eh? Hey. Uh, sure about that, though. Yes, we're all right. How much cash did we end up in the hey, bank? Let's do this. Hold on, because this is a great time to bring in the Thrupples treble, thanks to Dabble. Goit, you picked under 48 and a half, and it was... 49. <laughs> half a point. Yeah, half, half a point. point. What, a, what a prick of a thing. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Um, Drew, you went Mr. Brightside to place in the Cox and... Coming out of my cage and I'll be doing just fine. Gotta, gotta be down because I want it all. <laughs> Came second. Is what I yeah, but it won. <laughs> it did. For a place. You won that one. 
And then um, Black Lung next to me here. How did you go? Uh, I don't uh, know. What did I bet you on? Said, you tell me what I bet on. Do you remember what you bet on? No, I didn't, mate. You, you went the you oven. Had, you had a, a thin ciggy in your mouth. Yeah. And you just finished another bottle of rosé. And you said under 41 and a half points in the final. Uh, Which one? You did. Yeah, we're half a point off the whole thing. Ah, apologies. There you go. So, um, a huge thanks to Dabble to, for the support and for you guys for following us on the app. Uh, it's at Good Bad Rugby, if you remember on Dabble. Um, we had some copy bets, and it's a big time for racing, so worth keeping an eye on the group as Drew is on a heater. Certainly am. Mate, you're doing very, very well. Now, uh, we are getting to the end of having uh, our World Cup chats, but I thought, um, and this was Ollie's idea, that we might just toss up a few sort of wide-sweeping comments um, about things that took place. For example, player of the tournament. Who wants to toss someone up here? Uh, Will Jordan? Elizabeth, Talia. Talia for me. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? He was amazing. And even in the final. Yeah. Incredible. you know some of the some of his individual kind of uh, contributions in that final obviously kept the All Blacks in the fight. Um, but you know just throughout the World Cup, I mean Will Jordan was obviously very very good. He's got a shitload of tries. Eight but tries equal to Jordan. I thought Talia and the way he played and um, he ended up winning Breakthrough Player of the Year. Right, Breakthrough Player of the Year, Mark Talia. Mark Talia. Um, I just thought he he had an incredible campaign. Um, he just had spiders on him the whole tournament. Yeah, um, his ability to beat the first defender. It's nothing I've ever seen. Like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah, he's, like, good. he's he's very very good, and then also got the game and the skills skill sets to to keep the ball alive post, um, you know, breaking tackles, beating defenders. Is um, he's world class. Uh, he's he's got such a big future ahead of him. Talia, you happy with Talia? Well, I, I I'm very happy with Mark Talia, but I'm going to throw two more in the mix. Bundy Arkey for Ireland. I thought he was mm. just enormous, getting over the advantage line. Talk about breaking tackles. He was amazing. Scored plenty of tries as well. Uh, and yeah, he was integral to to Ireland and 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 their go forward and that type of thing. He got, I think he was he was actually number twelve in our our dream team. He was fantastic uh, in that World Cup. But also, I thought Ibn Etzebeth just was enormous in terms of physically, obviously, yeah. in stature, but just his impact out there on the field. I mean, he's you know, there's been some great Springbok uh, second rows, you know, Bucky's Bota, Victor Matfield, and there's been just a host of them. Even Etzebeth, two-time World Cup winner now. And, and uh, yeah, like I just thought throughout the World Cup, he was enormous. Yeah, I'm happy with all three of those. They, they're, I mean, if I start throwing more names in, it's just going to confuse everyone. So let's just go with those three. <laughs> did you see Did you see Etzebeth's haircut? The, the well, yeah. So yeah. The, yeah, this uh, made a crazy thing going on. <laughs> straight you down know, the middle. Yeah, just straight For those the, of you that well, are listening. I don't um, know if he's, is he naturally got a widow's peak? Swoop no, so whatever he was. He just brushed his hair down the front of his face, sort of the widow's peak long. I mean, yeah. He I got mean, a haircut at 5 a.m. the morning after the World Cup final from the Viking, R.G. Snyman. You like Shaved that. it bald on the sides. Oh. Yeah, because I, I, I saw them. Um, it was weird. I, I was at the uh, the photo wall at the World Rugby Awards, getting my little photo, doing the red carpet thing. And as I came off, the entire Springbok team like, came through, were ushered through quickly. So I weirdly was like their welcoming party, like shook hands with them. Yeah, what up, guys? Like, hey, what's up? Well, congrats, congrats. And then I was like, oh, what's doing with your hair? Because RG Snyman, I thought it was a good idea at 5 a.m. Huh? <laughs> Did he cut his ear or something? Did oh, he I'm not take sure, a chunk but, out of his um, Visa as well, the uh, the number eight, shaved his his head nude as well. A couple of boys got haircuts from big RG Snyman. I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not arguing with the Viking, no. are you? 
No, he God, brings no. out the clippers. You're getting whatever he gives you. Absolutely. Now, uh, let's he, go game of the tournament. Made, uh, oh, I'd love to get a dollar every time Drew's mentioned he went to the awards. Jesus. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just trying to provide context. I didn't just run into him on the street. Like, Nah, good on you. I like it. <laughs> Tell you what, I would have would have preferred being in the business class seat you were in at that time. What at that point? What was that Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> Is it Thursday or Wednesday? And what year? Um, game of the tournament. <laughs> Let's do match of the tournament. You know my vote, obviously Argentina England in the bronze medal. Yeah, match. Like that. that's my vote. <laughs> Thought that was very good. Um, what do you? I mean, people keep saying, "Oh, there was four World Cup finals in the one World Cup." Or is it six World Cup finals and the one World Cup? Um, f- five. So, obviously, <laughs> France, New Zealand, Ireland, South Africa yep. in the first pool matches. Then in the quarterfinals, obviously, the strong side of the draw. Sure. Ireland, New Zealand, France. South Africa, France. South Africa. And then New Zealand, South Africa in the finals. So, I don't know what I'm saying here, but pick a game. <laughs> I'm actually going to throw a little smoke in here. Oh, oh. I, I really enjoyed Portugal versus Fiji. Um, Remind me of it. Remember, well, remember the Aussies needed uh, Fiji not to get a bonus point and Portugal yeah. to win. But then, like, the Portuguese looked like they were done and dusted. Yeah. And then that little short snipe down the short side got them down and, and sealed the win down the short, like, down, the, down that little right-hand side touchline, got the win. Like, we didn't get what we wanted out of it in terms of the Australians because we needed Fiji to lose without a bonus point. But I just thought that game... Good shout. Maybe I, we had vested interest because we needed a certain outcome. But also just to see the Portuguese, yeah. they got their first win ever at a World Cup. Um, but also Fiji played a, a great game as well. It was entertaining, some great tries. Uh, two teams that were just absolutely throwing everything at it. I know, I just I was super engaged in that game. I thought it was really good. I remember, Sweet, we were... It's pretty early... In, in the morning, place. was it? Or we were, it was the second day we were there or the first day? The first night. And we'd had a thousand. And yeah. Um, yeah, we were celebrating hard. So I do remember that match. That's a good shout. Swoop, have you got a, a nomination? Oh, it's a hard one. Um, I'd probably have to say uh, New Zealand Island um, in that quarterfinal. Just the quality of play um, and the amount of t- ball, in t- ball in play time. Um, yeah, I mean, that was quality rugby. I mean, obviously... At that time, one of the best teams in the world exited the competition. Obviously, the All Blacks were able to progress, but um, yeah, I mean, for to, to wait for the way that game to finish, I think what was how many phases? Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven yeah. phases uh, with a bloke doing it with one boot. Like, I mean, it was a it was an amazing it was an amazing game to watch and witness. Drew, you're not doing yourself any favors. Like the Fijians have just started to like you again. <laughs> you picked that issue again. Uh, yeah, but they still um, went through the quarters. Yeah, they did. I know, but you know what you're doing. Uh, I thought that was an entertaining game. That was definitely um, right up there as far as the pool stages. Yeah, I agree with Swoop. I think not including the final. The final for me was the pinnacle, as it should be, because they're playing, you know, everyone's playing for it all there. And just the way things panned out, I thought that was a, you know, a very fascinating game, kept me engaged for the full 80 minutes and needed to. Um, But I think as far as quality of play and, and what you saw, out there from all the players, both teams, um, you know, obviously weren't too many. I don't know if there was any cards in that game, was there? Was everyone, as far as a discipline uh, discipline kind of uh, game, I think it was pretty good. Uh, it was entertaining. Both teams um, obviously played super well, so I'll probably go with Sweet there. Sweet. Well done. 
Cheers, mate. Great work. Uh, moment of the tournament on and off the pod. Um, you got any nominations there? What was the moment of the tournament? Uh, uh, mine was definitely everyone seeing Holiday Swoop. Yeah. yeah. It's a thing to behold. Mm. Um, I've tried to explain to people back here what Holiday Swoop is like, and it's it's like an essence, isn't it? It's like meeting the Dalai Lama. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? You can't really put a finger on it. Yeah, it's definitely got an aura about it. Yeah. Would yeah. you, if it was say like a hurricane, would you say category five? <laughs> category six? Yeah. Yeah. five. I was, um, for that bronze medal match, came back after dinner and um, a couple of the punters, the tour group that, you know, that we were all leading around France for the last couple of weeks, a couple of them were watching the, the bronze, the last, the, I guess the last 15 minutes of the bronze medal match in the hotel foyer on the big screen. I kind of sat down, enjoyed a little bit of a beer with a couple of the guys. Uh, and someone came in after their, obviously their dinner, after the game had finished, came up, shook my hand, introduced himself and said, so what do we got? We got normal swoop, we've got holiday swoop because we're going out for a couple of beers. So I said, mate, this is hotel swoop and I'm going back to my room for a sleep. It's, um, that caught on pretty quickly. But, yeah, uh, that might hang around. Holiday swoop was there for the, after the second semifinal at about 1.30am when everybody was leaving and he went, ah, mate, we're not going. Come on, let's go. <laughs> we went and found a pub. Hence why I left early, a week early. When was that? Do you remember that? You don't remember that? That's okay. It's a good time. Have you got a nomination? Uh, I mean, you were there for... Two oh, months. Two months. Yeah, wow. It was a long, it was a, it was a long haul. Yeah. Uh, plenty of chapters. Jeez, um, you put me on the spot here, Prof. Sorry about that. Tommy Erskins need, needs to send our uh, our run run sheet through. Um, I you have to come back to come me. back to me. Yeah, right. we can swoop. Edit you this. got. Uh, oh look, mate. You know, I think our flight over prof was pretty <laughs> decent. <laughs> you know, the, you couldn't even call it first night no. fever. It was first flight fever. Well, first day. You you because is it because you're a wallaby that you can get into the is it the platinum lounge or something. Uh, first class land. Yeah, first class land. You know, I felt like, you know, in Pretty Woman when he takes the prostitute shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that, didn't I? Because I didn't really fit you in. You were so happy. I was pumped. And you were like, you know, oh, you know, just keep your voice down. Just keep it down. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, look at this. <laughs> he was putting everything in his toes. Yeah, just I like, couldn't. Just stealing shit. Like, there's a menu in there. Did you know that, Ollie? Yes, I can, get, can I get the calamari? So <laughs> go for a prof. Get a couple of plates. Yeah, I didn't. Treat and yourself, I son. I was worried about how much it would cost. It doesn't cost anything. Um... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, low point, probably sleeping in the sleeping bag outside my Airbnb. <laughs> that wasn't great. Um, the anxiety I had after the Eddie spray, uh, that wasn't great. Uh, anxiety I had after most podcasts. Yeah, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of WhatsApp messages. It was always about, ooh, about eight hours after we recorded. Yeah. That's that you'd what, get the sads. That's once and, I woke up again. Yeah. What did I say? Yeah. Run that by me. Um Ollie's nominated the Welsh fan meeting you. It was good when, we, when you didn't have a voice and we were on the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah Matt that was... <laughs> yeah. I was sitting there trying to get the whisper of, of uh, decibels that I had left in me out to you guys. And uh, one bloke came up, but he, he, he reached out on our socials and said, that was me, you know, whatever. And good on you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> love the Welsh. We love the Welsh. What about you, Goit? Uh, I said the holiday swoop. You know yeah, what about the bad? The, low the worst. Or the worst, maybe when we had a little lover's tiff. Oh, we didn't have a lover's tiff. Nah, but you know what I mean. Like, um, no, what would be the worst? Um, 
don't know. Everything was just so positive. I loved being around you guys. It was, it was all it all flowed pretty well. Um, it was pretty amazing. I actually, when I was going around the Eiffel Tower, had a couple of South Africans coming up, and they loved to be called G Brasters. So I think that's kind of stuck. Yeah. The G Brasters. The G Brasters. Mm. Bloody G Brasters. All right. I don't know if you guys heard, um, but the World Rugby Awards took place. Actually, before <laughs> we do that, let's do some mid show thanks, eh? Because I'm pumped to hear about these World Rugby Awards. Um, time for some mid show thanks. To Harvey Norman, we say a massive thank you for the last time this season. They are great lovers of Aussie rugby and the home of technology and the place to get your furniture, bedding, electrical appliances, and rugs. Make sure you watch it all on the best electronics and entertainment goods from our friends with benefits at Harvey Norman. Geez, they've been good for this uh haven't stint, they? haven't they? Haven't they? Hope they come back next year. Yeah, let's hope so. Sure. What are we, Do we doing? Are we coming back? Well, I mean, have we been chatting to them? Giddy, sorry, have you got news on I that? I was just wondering, are we coming back? Uh, well, we've got to talk about that, don't <laughs> we? Um, mm. I'm assuming we are. We hope to. Are you keen, Giddy? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down, mate. You would seem a bit keen. Is this, this might be an off pod <laughs> chat, is it? Is this where you go? Is that what you say, Swoop? Oh, we'll take this offline. Offline. Yeah. We'll take this one offline, put a pin in it, yeah. uh, and we'll do all that stuff. All right. Hey, um, yes, I don't know if you heard, the World Rugby Awards were on. Were they? They were. And there was a certain young man who went to them. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had an insider. We had a bloke that was there. A and mole. I have to say, you looked very dapper. Thank you. He always does. You look Jesus very dapper. I, uh, I carried that, um, that, that suit with me for two months. Just for that one night? Just for the final <laughs> night of my trip. Actually, I, I had the jacket and I had the pants. That day, I had to go out and buy a shoe, shirt, and a tie. No, not a tie, a belt. Um, was that yeah. that jacket? Was that the little number that you got through your mate with the no, nice no, it's printing, MJ printing? Bale. Oh, is it MJ Bale? Yeah, MJ, MJ Bale. Yeah, mm. they, lovely option. They know my size well, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which is yeah. a succulent size. <laughs> <laughs> we went to uh, La Opera. It's an amazing venue. Oh, like I don't know how to describe it. I wouldn't be able to do it justice. But um, yeah, like a really. Uh, fitting venue for for the event it was like the who's who of rugby there plus me <laughs> and, uh, yeah Who hosts who's doing a bit of stuff gear at the top the hosts yeah uh ugo monier from england and uh clementine sarlat oh yeah she's a um a journalist over there in in france that does all the rugby up there then was it good yeah it was really good yeah do they have like a live band or anything at the end they had a, a live um like artists and, and you know, string quartet and a brass ensemble play at the start and they had violins, everything. Like, it was Fantastic. Very Wally. grand. Do you yeah. think one day the G-Brasteds, us, could host the World Rugby Awards? <laughs> oh. That's a goal. Maybe a spin-off. Out of one to ten, how pissed did you get? Oh, one and a half. I, I, was, I was pretty done. Yeah. I, um, I had one champagne beforehand. During the ceremony, you weren't allowed to drink because it's, you know, it's... Um, I guess heritage listed and all the furniture's so old that they couldn't trust anyone spilling stuff on it. So there was no no alcohol inside. That's such a lame excuse. No, honest. There was like no drinks inside. Yeah, but what I mean, they, they, they just know that you can't trust rugby union players. Yeah, probably, as I yeah. learned over yeah. the last 17 days, they're like, oh, just tell them the furniture's old. <laughs> Mate, we don't <laughs> spill it. We drink it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there was like this cocktail party out the back and 
then from the cocktail party went down underneath down into the, the bowels of the, the opera and there was an after party i went in and i just went it's either go home now or 5 a.m i chose now and i went i was in bed by 11 30. would you have let that happen swoop if you were there oh, please <laughs> You know which way I was going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going down to go up. <laughs> um, big congrats to George Smith, former teammate mm -hmm. of yours, guys. Uh, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, along with Dan Carter, uh, Dusatois, um, uh, Hernandez, and Habana. So yeah. um, a big congrats to him. Pretty epic. That's uh, a great class. George. Yeah, that's an amazing name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously the... Just on the dream team. So we, we picked the dream team, 1 to 15. And there's been a fair bit of slack. I mean, only one South African made that dream team. Even Etzebeth, obviously the eventual winners of the World Cup. And obviously on social, it's going to be up, up in arms, much like you know the greatest team ever. It's never going to be a team that we could select. There's eight of us on a panel. Never going to be a team that we can select to that's going to like appease everyone. Um, but I would say that it's, it's not a World Cup 15. It's from the entire year, so taking in Six Nations, uh, Rugby Championship. And what hurt Rugby Championship teams, New Zealand um, and South Africa more pointedly, was there was so much chopping and changing from their coaches because it was just before the World Cup. Not many of their starting sides played big minutes back-to-back -back through that, that period. So it was hard to poll for them. Um, so, you know, like obviously there's heaps of chat about... Um, you know, a number of players, Peter Steph Dutoy, Marlberg in the, in the, up there in front, and Banami Marks. Like, there's arguments for so many players in, in that South African side and, and also other sides as well that, um, that, that didn't make that side. And there were some pretty heated discussions throughout the course of the year because we, we, we come together on, on Zooms after the Six Nations, after Rugby Championship, um, and four times throughout that World Cup as well. And it's it's a it's a fluid piece. We, you know, there were players that came in and came out, and depending on what what was going on, and um, it's never going to be one that that um, pleases everyone. And I can understand, and I, you know, being there as well, the South Africans were pretty pretty annoyed that they only had one member in there, and and maybe they, you know, they've got every right to it. But what I will say is, it's not a it's not a World Cup 15. It's it's through the whole year, and I, you know, like I said. Uh, there's so much chopping and changing that rugby championship from especially the South Africans. They almost played two different teams um, that in, in some ways it kind of hurt, it came against them in terms of the polling. But just so I know, in the event that another planet comes here and takes on Earth in rugby, <laughs> then that's the 15 that are chosen. Is that right? So as in that's the world 15? Well, that's, that's, the, that's the dream team for world rugby for 2023. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like I said, no. It, to me, it, it does sound a bit like you guys fucked up, and well, there should have been more South Africans. They, you know what, though, like sounds I, like that to me. What's sounds that? like well, it just sounds like you're pleading your case a little bit yeah. before we can attack you. No, I, I just I, I don't think that the the eventual team would have been any of the eight panelists' actual team. You know, like that we were all had to concede some players, and that's just where we landed. Um, but you know, it's one of those things like. You never like it's all, it's out there for to it's a subjective thing. Okay, twenty six percent of our audience is South African, and, and like a, yeah, I think this is a good opportunity to apologise. <laughs> Down yeah. the barrel, you know what? Down the barrel, you know what? I think every one of those players, sure, like they would have liked to have seen more players in there, but 
I'm sh like they've got the thing around their neck that means more than anything, right? Rather than eight myself and seven other peers' opinions, like that's the thing that counts. And good on them. They went out there and, and they earned that. You said so. you'd landed there a couple of times. <laughs> when did you land there? Well, Pre-cup final, <laughs> post-cup final. Our final votes were submitted by 11:30 after the final. 11:30 p.m. So post-cup final. final. That was for the uh, the player of the year. The player of the year. The dream team uh, was after the semi-final. Oh, that's early. Jeez. Isn't it? Well, because they have oh, to get people there. They have, like, they have to get people there. Oh. Like, like the Oscars yeah. where they change the number of nominations. To I feel like you guys are coming at me. No, well, we're not. No, just, no, we're no, not. no, we're not. We're just no, talking no, no. about yeah. how If it's... I was to choose my dream team, it'd be 1 to 15 or South Africa. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. Let's get that 26 up to about 36%. Yeah, we, that. You just yeah. said Mark Talay was the best. You didn't even mention the South Africa. Yeah, everyone, all South Africans except Talay. <laughs> oh. But you can't do that. Uh, we also are about 25% England viewers. Oh. So, <laughs> Owen Farrell, he could be in there somewhere. Um, all right, uh, a couple of other, other awards. Andy Farrell, he won Coach of the Year, which is interesting. Um, obviously, Ireland didn't get past the quarters again, but they um, did very well in the Six Nations. Obviously, a grand slam there and then got to the number one ranking. Gits, let me come to you. Was he the best coach? I uh, wasn't coached by him, but yeah, he did a super job. I thought, um, who else was up for it? So you had um, Nian Bar, another one, Simon from Fiji, yeah, um, yep. Ray Louis, Foster. Yep. Apologies, yeah. I mean, they were all, yeah, I, I think, yeah, even the way Andy Farrell um, addressed the media after they lost that quarter final, I think he just loses. Uh, class. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with him to get to get the award. I see. I always just think that the team that wins, that the coach, best coach, should just come from. Yeah, that I think team. maybe there's just a bit of conjecture about is it Rassi the coach or is it Niamba? Oh, like who's yes. having most influence? Because every yeah. time you go up to the, it goes to the coach's box. Rassi seems to be on the mic. He's the one with the with the traffic lights. You know, like doing all that. Like, I mean, I'm, I, obviously Niamba's done an amazing job for a long time. Um, but it seems to be almost like co-coaching those two. Twenty fifteen, check um, check got coach of the year, and we didn't win it. Mm. So I actually speaking about coaches and Russi, you touched upon what a party that bloke could be having. Oh yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Have, we got to be watching his Twitter. It should be on a live Twitter feed. Russi Rasmus. Hey, there's another goal for us. So a hosting the World Rugby Awards. B Razzy on here. Yeah. With swoop, social holiday swoop with Rassi. Oh, oh my God, oh. imagine that. And we do it, we'll do one of our Chinese Lazy Susan episodes. Oh, succulent Chinese succulent meal. Succulent Chinese meal with holiday swoop. Yeah. Sounds great. Let's do it. Um, Mark Talia named World Rugby uh, Breakthrough Player of the Year, which uh, I think we can all agree is we're, uh, very much well-deserved. And Rugby Podcast of the Year, GBR UK. <laughs> So. <laughs> oh. Redraw. <laughs> well done to them. Um, now, I guess um, I guess now's a good time to talk about our well, our social media. Oh yeah, we... at, at Good Bad Rugby AUS, we did ask you to follow us and to unfollow the GBR UK. Um, we were trying to catch them. Mm. Um, can you give me a score right now, Ollie? I want a live update. We were close. It was close. It was getting close. Can you? So the GBR UK are on. We're on 
thousand. Okay. Just think about that. That's like a full Allianz Stadium. And then 145k. Okay. Well, we don't a need little a, off. a little just off. A little off. Yeah. Now, the, what just you, pipped. Just pipped. Now, what you were meant to do was go and get a butt shot at, do you remember that? At the Eiffel Tower? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> we were supposed to do that, weren't we? Together? As a group? Yeah. We bought them. That was if we caught them, but we didn't catch them. Exactly. No, if, yeah. if it was if, if we didn't catch them, that we had to do the No, shot. we were encouraging people to follow no. us. Weren't we trying to entice them. them to catch them? Correct. Yeah. So mm. hang on, the butt shot was a positive? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why well, wouldn't have start to learn about you three blokes? This is great. <laughs> um, so I guess, well, let's just push that forward. Um, to the <laughs> the next World Cup 2027 yeah 2027 and I guess is it an opera house up the date what are you doing I don't know we've got Centre Point, Tower, Centre Point, Tower, yeah. Centre Point. Yeah. Sydney Tower that makes yeah. sense uh, that'd go in a lot easier um, <laughs> 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 yeah I don't know how you do the opera house yeah well plenty of time to work it out um, yeah so again follow us on socials at good bad rugby rugby AUS. Um, and thanks for all of you that got involved. Lots of messages, uh, lots of support. Been very positive for this thing. Probably the most, I've worked on a lot of shows, most positive response I've ever had to anything. Yeah, it's been really good, actually. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been like blown away. Last, last step that, you know, the amount of people that came up, uh, you know, whether it was at games or just, just around out and about in, uh, in France and in, uh, airports and things. It's been pretty overwhelming, actually. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And um, keep an eye out for us next year. Um, we'll uh, we'll see you then. Now, <laughs> Big Roch Ball Small Queries is back, guys. I know yes. you love this segment. I'm surprised it's not sponsored. Um, it's very good. I don't know if you guys heard, but Eddie Jones has quit as Australian rugby coach. Um Eddie, uh, Eddie has decided that, um, well... Rugby Australia weren't really holding up their end of the bargain. Um, they didn't provide the funding or the infrastructure that was agreed upon. And despite um, his initial press conference of saying he's all in, I'm all in as a wallaby, he wrote them a letter and said, look, um, you know that stuff I said? Scrap that. I'm actually out. Um, and so Eddie's gone. I don't know if you guys saw his uh, stuff, his uh his interview with Danny Weidler on Nine News. He said a few very interesting things before we get your take on it. Uh, people are leaning into their TVs going, what is Drew Mitchell going to say? He's going <laughs> to, this will be good. This will be good. He, um, Jones has kind of, he's made out like he sacrificed himself for the good of the Wallabies. Um, his exact quote was, sometimes you go into the bank, mate, and you blow it up, but you don't come out with the money. That was his take nice. on it. Um. Before we get too deep into this, because obviously... Wasn't there something like, sometimes you got to eat shit so yeah. someone else can eat caviar or something? Yeah, that was the exact quote as well. Um, and he's, I think he believes he's left the Wallabies and Australian rugby in a better place than it was. Um, <laughs> which, who wants to go first here? I think Gitz. Gitz, you want to go first on your with your take on this, mate? Hot take? It's more the take on, sometimes you got to eat shit for someone else to eat caviar. I don't get that. Um... Okay, so there's a lot of things here to break down. I think um, when Eddie was approached to come back and coach, it sounds like he was promised certain things. Um, I don't want to summarise. I don't want to 
you know, just throw something out there without actually knowing the knowledge. But just listening to what's been said, I can assume maybe it was that centralization or, or bringing it all together, um, which I don't think that they're able to do. Um, I think Queensland have already kicked back about it. I think the Brumbies um, engage with lawyers potentially around it as well. So uh, that's one thing. My my issue, um, I mean, I think, you know, Eddie coming on and saying that he's staying uh, and then a couple of days later saying he's leaving is a totally different thing. So I don't really want to address Eddie. I want to leave Eddie for, for Drew. But my issue is that, Hamish McLennan, we've not heard from at all other than statements. Um, Fox Sports, I saw Phil Wall was thrown out there. That's great that Phil Wall's thrown out there. At least he's answering it. And full credit for Warry to get up there and answer a couple of questions. I think Hamish is the one that needs to get in front of a, a lot of journalists, not, not his mates, not people that he knows, but in front of journalists and answers every question so that we've got total clarity um, it's there's transparency there and we see exactly what's happened and, and we can then make a decision based off that. I don't want to go too hard at Eddie um, or assume things without knowing all the details because at the moment we're only hearing a couple of things from Eddie. Warry came out and answered what he knew, but he didn't actually, um, he couldn't really get targeted too much. Um, and I think when Warry came out and made his statement, Hamish has gone to the World Rugby Awards when I'm not sure if we had or we needed a representative, whether he spoke, Drew, you can, um, you know, elaborate more on this. I'm not sure what his role was at these World Rugby Awards. But I think when you hear that your national coach um, is leaving Australian rugby, your priority should probably be to get back and answer some questions and show the rugby public the respect that they deserve and the answers that they, that they crave. But what – I guess – the Hamish thing is the second thing we can kind of get into. Like, I want to get your take. Now, I, I'm a Wallabies fan. Watched them for the last however many years. And my initial my initial feeling when Eddie said he's not coaching was, I thought, what a f***, right? <laughs> now, no, in all honesty, and a lot of Wallabies fans thought the same thing. You've seen the reaction online. Because at the end of the day, okay, things were promised, but also... He's an intelligent guy. We all know that. And he's a smart coach. Going into this, he knew what the scenario was, mm. right? He didn't just sign up going, well, hang on. You promised that. As long as that comes, I'm going to hang around, right? He knew the situation. Yeah. Is that correct? Well, you'd think so, yeah. So for you then to, after, it wasn't even 10 months, after nine months to basically blow up aside, take away three blokes that were your leadership group that you'd already put in place, and then say, well, I'm aiming towards 2027, and then just to fuck off. It's pretty shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, like for a number of different reasons, like that it's, 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 it's poor from Eddie, right? Like there's no other way we can put it. It was poor from him. He's come in. He said it was going to be a smash and grab. He then changed his approach without telling anyone, went for a development. He said, I'm going, to make a, I'm going to pick a team that's um, going to be ready for the 25 Lions and the 27 World Cup. Made some harsh calls on guys like Hooper, Cooper, Foley, O'Connor, Ikitao, these guys that should have been there in a lot of people's opinions and then didn't pick them. Went over there, had a poor um, performance over in a uh, campaign at the World Cup. I'm just thinking, you know, as players, as coaches, you're going into a situation or into a team, into a jersey, into a position 
and you want to leave it in a better place than what you found it. Can Eddie say he's done that? Absolutely not. And I thought he was the type of bloke that would sit there tooth and nail and fight through it until he did get into a position where he's left it in a better position than how he found it. And all he's done at the moment is just leave it in a burning mess behind him. And, and also to do it in a way where some players have had the opportunity of a, a final World Cup taken from them, uh, other players like Iki Tao to have their first, you know, like this, this, it's just so layered, right? And, and all of it whilst trying to, you know, giving us all these one, one liners about, you know, like it, shit and caviar and what was the other one you gave Blow us? Blow up the bank. Blow up the bank and not take the cash, all that. Like, just stop speaking in riddles. Speak to us in truths, right? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's bad. I think it's, like I've said it before, I think there's times where coaches lose the dressing room and it's time to go. I don't know about the dressing room. I'm not part of it, but he's lost the supporter base. So in my mind, it was untenable anyway. So he had to move on. But that also then now, it, that even goes even further. I think the chairman's lost the sport, supporters base. So I think any time he speaks and you, look, you only have to look at socials and stuff, people have got a lot of um, discontent and want a lot of answers from someone like Hamish. I think he's lost the supporter group. So anything that he says now, I think people will just roll their eyes. Um, and the whole thing's a mess. Like, again, when I was at this dinner, like, I almost felt like I was having to defend Rugby Australia. Like, everyone coming up to me all the time, mate, what, what about fucking Australia? Oh, what about Eddie? Or what about this? What about that? Like, you know, that's the position that they've put us in now. And, and it's a position we should never be in. And, and then for both, Hamish and for Eddie, go to blame it on the last 20 years. Hang on, mate. When you take up a job, you take on whatever happens before you. When you buy a new business, you take on their debt. When you, buy, when you go into a role with responsibility and accountability, you take on what's happened. You don't get a clean slate. You work on, you have to work on from whatever's happened before that. Like that's not an excuse. That doesn't give you a pass mark, a pass, like a, a leave pass. Like Hamish McLennan's been in it for three years. Yes, he's done some good things around getting a, a panel together to get the 27 hosting rights for the Men's World Cup, 29 for the women's. He's done some good things, but in some media outlets are calling this uh, appointment of Eddie Jones effectively a captain's pick from Hamish. Like, it's not just a mistake. There's, he said, you know, sometimes we make mistakes, we've got to move on. That's not just a, make, a mistake. That is monumental. That is something you can't come back from. That is when we talk about taking accountability and responsibility for a decision. For me, I think he needs to walk. Yeah, and I also... When you're coming in and you know the issues, as Drew touched upon, you know the issues with Australian rugby. Are you you're going to say, well, you know, like that that was 20 years ago. I don't know if I can actually fix it in the next couple of years. When you're giving your interview, you say, yeah, well, this is how I think we're going to get out of it, and I can do it, bang, bang, bang. And if you haven't done it, as Drew said, then you know you've got to find someone that's able to do that job. Um, on Eddie, because I didn't really touch on him too much, who I feel for most are the players. So the players that were left out of the squad, but also the players that went to the World Cup, because I felt like they were sent out with a new game plan after speaking to a couple of different players. There was a game plan that they were told to buy in and get on board. They all got on board, tried this new game plan, didn't really like the structure or the way that Eddie was heading, you know, taking the game. But he assured the group that this was for the betterment and it will progress them into the next World Cup or in the British and Irish Lions and, and the next World Cup. It'll help them become better rugby players. They've now played a style of rugby that they didn't necessarily agree with during the World Cup. And now that head coach has left. 
So, you know, you feel for these players that were put on this world stage almost to fail. So, yeah, I mean, the the news, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just sad. Like, as a as a Wallaby, as a, as a rugby fan, um, as a proud Australian, like, just the way that you see Australian rugby at the moment, as Drew touched upon, everyone coming up feeling sorry for us. Like, that's, yeah, it's just not, it's not a good chapter in Australian rugby. So, it, um, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, I agree with these two boys. Like it, it, it's disheartening, and just very, very confusing. Right from the get go, it was confusing. Obviously, sacking Rennie—that was kind of a bit of a starting point, and then obviously we were kind of led to buy into to to Eddie's campaign and and what he wanted to do with the group. But you know what was confusing was like what the boys said before was just the lack of clarity, lack of clarity from the answers that we're getting from the losses, the lack of clarity that that we could see that the Wallaby boys were playing on the um, playing on the pitch. You know there was. Hardly a game plan, I think. You know, speaking to a couple of players, there was there wasn't really a game plan. You know, Eddie was asking them to play this kind of instinctive game. Um, we didn't really necessarily have an instinctive group, and to do that just months out of a, a World Cup a World Cup campaign, that's madness. Um, you know, leaving the most experienced players out of a out of the team was confusing. Um, t- telling us that he's staying, telling us, you know word of him going to Japan, um, saying he's committed and now that he's resigning, that's fucking confusing. Mm. I mean, there was just so, there was just, it was just such a mess, which makes it really sad and disheartening for not only supporters of the Wallabies, but also ex-players. Um, and then you kind of, you're reading in the headlines that you chose to leave out, you know, your Hoopers, Coopers and Follers because one, they didn't have the, a winning spirit or a competitive yeah, edge. Yeah, rubbish. Like, what is that? Like, it's, it's rubbish and also unnecessary. Like, it's absolutely Especially when unnecessary. You're on your way out the door, like, why do you yeah. have to do a party? Look at slot? Michael Hooper and the contributions over the last ten years to Australian rugby and his team, uh, and the total disregard for his own body. But just you know, his to application—that's what I mean. Yeah. To, to leave the leave his jersey and the team in a better place, and to say that he didn't have a, a winning spirit—like that's unbelievable. And what's confusing is that um, there were psychologists, I think, amongst the team that were. I guess providing insight to Eddie on team on team members, and now he's been sacked. The psychologist has been sacked. There's a number of staff that have left. Like I mean, it's it's a bit of. I hate to say it, but a, we sound a bit like a basket case. Yeah, we, I think <laughs> we, I say England? I think we do. <laughs> you mean a different country? <laughs> uh, what what I will say as well is, I think for too long now we, we talk about the last twenty years or whatever, but I think for too long, in the three. In three really important positions in Rugby Australia is the chairman, the CEO, and, and uh, the head coach. Of course, there's more than that, but I'm talking about these three specifically. We've had quite a lot of change in those three positions for a long period of time. And every time someone comes in in one of those positions, they come in with a new uh, five-year plan that's going to resurrect Rugby Australia and it's going to get them on the right path. And each time one of them gets sacked because they don't get immediate results, whether it's Checker, whether it's Raylene Castle, whether you know whoever it might be, Andy Marinos, whatever everyone comes in with a new plan but we're starting a 10-year plan every two years right like what we need okay so phil war's quite new to the job in his ceo's position we're now going to have to get a new head coach i believe we're going to have to get a, a new chairman as well if we want to actually be able to engage in the rugby public because i feel like he's probably lost them and and in terms of you know getting them to believe and to to, to trust and to get behind it i think there's an opportunity for us as a rugby nation and for the wallabies and rugby australia to get three people that are going to be there committed for 10 years. And we've got time. Wallabies don't play for eight months or something. 
we've got time to make sure we do our due diligence to make sure that we get the right person who's committed for a long period of time. And yeah, when and everyone says, oh, it's gonna take some short-term pain. We've been through plenty of pain, right? We can cop a, a couple more years if we actually see something out for once. And if there's something at the end of the tunnel that's gonna actually provide change and in going into the right directions. We talk about processes. We can't get the right processes and, and, and development pathways in line because it changes every two to four years whenever some, one of those key positions comes in. So I just think this is now a catalyst, an opportunity for us to have three people in alignment in really three um, key positions. Sure, have robust conversations, but make sure they're on the same page. Not a CEO that's working against a coach or vice versa, or a chairman that's going against the other two, or whatever it is. Get three that are in alignment that, that can agree on an, a direction and a pathway and how to do that. And let's see the course. Like, and I, I don't think, like we, we, we need to make the right decisions now. We've got time, right? We don't need to rush into a coaching position. We don't need to, it's not about who's available now. It might be who's available in six months time. Like we, we don't have to pick a Wallaby coach right now. They don't have to do anything for a little while, but let's make sure that we get the right ones. And in my opinion, I think we need to see someone or those three people see out a long-term play at least for once because at the moment we're changing it too often. I think they need to be realistic as well. Whoever they pick, don't come in and start making TV advertisements saying we're going to win the World Cup when the whole country already knew what position the rugby team was in. Don't go and pick fights in press conferences with people and tell them they don't understand rugby union. Give yourself an uppercut. Don't embarrass Australia on a global scale where you're overseas in France and people keep coming up to you saying, oh, you're Australian. What about Eddie Jones being a dickhead in that press conference? Do it quietly. Do you know what I mean? All these other countries that are amazing at rugby, like New Zealand, you never hear anything from them and they just yeah. win everything. Mm. <laughs> what I'm saying is shut up. <laughs> and stop blaming the last 20 years. Yeah. I'm sick of hearing that. Oh, yeah. Like that's absolute bullshit. Well, I think that's, that's just deflection, right? Like yeah. that's someone who feels like there's pressure on themselves and on their job and it's deflecting. Like that's, that's all that is. All right. Now, this is a good time to ask the next big question, which is, who do we get to coach? <laughs> right? Now, there has been a bit of a movement online. Um, and we've been getting... Giddy, are you still awake there? I know it's like... Yeah, you know, I've got you, mate. I'm, Drew was just like... He had me in swoop mode. I was just listening. Yeah. <laughs> he does that, mate. He's very I'm welcome. Good. He's very good. Very, very good. Bit of a movement online. Um, let me talk to you here. Uh, lots of people writing to Hamish and then they wrote to us oh, this is from Regan Kirk I just emailed Hamish subject line make G-bra interim coaches <laughs> dear Hamish after Eddie fucked us we need a new coaching team that everyone can get around the obvious choice is to make Goit, Swoop and Drew head coaches <laughs> Prof should be chief quiz officer and director of brisket <laughs> I'm never losing that tag, am I? <laughs> uh, regards, Wallabies fans, let me ask you guys, uh, and uh, Swoop, I know that you're a busy man. You've got your 12s and your twos. Would the three of you consider just coming in and taking over the coaching of the Wallabies? <laughs> Realistically? Realistically. No. <clears throat> no chance. Goit? No, definitely not. What, our first uh, job, actually, Coopies, he's got coaching experience. Um, tore my calf. I never played footy again. But I think, um, no, you, like realistically, as Drew said, we've got to get the right people in. Um, and we're not the right people. <laughs> we're definitely not the right people. the right people. But, you know, if history serves us, you know, they're just tossing up anybody. Maybe head of social activity. But how would it work? So, how would it work? So what would your role be? D? D. 
No, okay. no, no nothing Bruce, official. What are you taking? Me? Yeah. Uh, maybe a bit of counter. Um, and That's a very small role. Yeah, I said <laughs> and. And just uh, culture and social. <laughs> okay. And yourself, Goyce? Head coach. Uh no, I'm not the head coach. It sounds like you might be prof. Um, you could be like the football manager. You oversee it all. That's not bad. Is that what yeah. Razzie does? Yep. Director yeah, Razzie. Yeah. All right, I'll be Razzie. <laughs> and that, and so, Goit, you are... You tell me. You're Razzie. Uh, you know what you're very good at is um, training people when they don't want to be trained. Strength so, conditioner. Strength and conditioning. Okay. Love I'm it. happy with it. Very, very good. I think it's also, in all honesty, though, who would you get into coach if you could pick somebody now? Yeah, I mean, to my point now, I don't know. Like, I don't, don't know. know who the candidates are. Um, I know there's a lot of names being thrown out there. McKellar, Stephen Larkham, yeah. uh, Steve Hansen, Joe Schmidt, who I think, you know, he's he's got runs on the board. But it's also like, it's got to be a, an appealing proposition for those coaches, right? Like, we've got to get everything else in order at the top end before someone wants to come in and, and consider coaching us. I think, like, I don't think the head coach is the next thing that we need to be worrying about. Like, what we need to be worrying about is steadying the ship, showing them that we've got direction, we've got cause, we've got, you know, we've got purpose in where we're going and how we're going to do it so that when someone comes in to interview to the job, it's not so much about our board saying, why are you the best for this job? It's, so the coaches don't sit there and go, well, hang on. Why, why is this the best team for me to coach? And them not having the answers, right? Like we need to make sure that our house is in order before we then go start shopping around for a head coach. Do you have somebody in mind, Swoop? Or are no, you, come on, someone toss someone up. Yeah, okay, fine, I'll go check. Someone, he, he likes to build, you know, he loves coming into a team that's under a lot of pressure and building them back up. And I think he's really good at that. Um, I think it's an attractive job for for a lot of coaches, you got the British and Irish Lions in mm. two years, and then a home World Cup in four. So there's a lot of positives there, and you really, hopefully, as a coach, you you're given full um, discretion to do what you want and build us back up. You know, to be um, you know a rugby powerhouse, and also just get the nation behind us again. Well, something that – and Phil Ward did very well in that press conference. Yeah. I watched the whole thing, 37 minutes of it, and there was he was getting hammered by journos, and he uh, mate, he was politician-like. I think he's got a future in politics one day. One thing he did say was that Rugby Australia needs to have a focus on reconnecting with the Australian public rather than where Eddie will be. He kept getting asked, will Eddie be up in Japan? And he said that. Now, I think something that you three can do very well is focus – on connecting with the Australian public, um, which brings us to that idea again yeah. of win the Wallabies. Yeah. For a week. Get us on tour. Get us on tour. Holiday swoop. Ho holiday eight times swoop. a year. What are, what are we going to commit to? Eight times? Eight times next year. Yeah, one a month. How long are we going for? Nine months? Did we, we, this is offline again. Sorry, swoop. We've got to work this out. Mm. Um, you can write in and you can win the Wallabies to play for your lower grade side. Are you still happy to do that, Gits, or is your calf stuffed again? No, no, no. You keep me away from Swoop. I'm good. <laughs> uh, write to us all around the world as well. If you can find three economy class flights and one business class flight, <laughs> then we will come across and we will. <laughs> but more, let's, let's maybe commit to one international game, but then seven 
national game. Absolutely, yes. we want to reconnect with with Absolutely. our grassroots. Yeah. yeah. So we already. But had we'd a, also like to go on one one international one or two. trip. Um, you know, if there's a team in Ibiza, one or one or four, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a a team whatever. anywhere in the country, write in, um, and we'll get these three playing for you. Um, and then I'll tell a couple of jokes after. I've got one really good banana one. Gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, all right. Has anybody, anybody got anything else they want to add here about the Eddie Jones Hamish saga? I just think it's we've probably still got plenty to play out, to be honest. Yeah. Like just when we thought we'd heard enough, something else comes up. Um, but yeah, I think the, the sooner we get this chapter closed, I think the better because then we can sort of start moving ahead and. Um, you know, because we don't want to be in this position where people are, we're the laughing stock of the rugby world or the or the laughing stock of the, the sporting nation here in Australia. Like, we don't deserve to be here. The players certainly don't deserve to, to be where they are. Um, and I think it's, I mean, like I said, I think this might be, as hard as it is, it might be the, the catalyst for change. All these things swing around. Yeah. All roundabouts, you reckon? Swings and roundabouts. Mate. 2027, we're going to shit it in. Yeah, we are. Right? Get on us. Oh, I don't, I don't what know we, we started. What are the odds for 2027? Get on us, because we'll we we will shit it in. Trust me. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know what? It's everybody's uh, favorite part of the show. Now it's time for the quiz. Who wants a bucket? Who wants a? We got one. I might go the I might go the bucket today. Four and twenty are provided a few pies today. You got the steak and cheese. Get into that. These are all available. We got these at Coles Express, um, and they are outstanding. Hang on, don't give Coles Express a plug. They're not a sponsor. Oh, but they've got four and twenty. Should I not do that? Well, unless they're giving us well, cash. They're now in Walmart in the US. Are they really? They've Walmart got plenty of cash. Let's give them a plug. <laughs> Isn't uh, that do um, you want one swoop? Isn't um, that Kieran Foran's really family or something? Sure. There we go. What are you going? There you go. You go the that one. Very good. Um, as I said, if you're Excellent. not from Australia and you can't get four and twenty pies, but you're thinking of coming here soon, maybe it. a British and Ireland, Irish Lions visit if you're uh, from the UK, or maybe next year the Rugby Championship. You're from South Africa. Make sure first thing you do at the airport, get yourself a four and twenty pie. Um, now well, I've been yeah two months. I've been longing for yeah, one of these. I'm going to have one as soon as I finish the quiz. Now, gets to remind me who won the quiz last week. Was it me? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you won. Yep. Yeah, it gets one last week, didn't it? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Go away. How's the pie, Drews? Oh, my God. You're oh my God. so happy with that, aren't you? What's the temperature like? Perfect. <laughs> Scoff temp. <laughs> Scoff temp. Uh, all right. You know what my favourite sound in the world is? <laughs> is Fountain a sponsor? It's Master Foods. Yeah, We're going to cut all this Let's shit get them out. on board. Let's get them on board. Do you like that even spread I've done there? Do you like it? Yeah, we've got to get them on board. They do cayenne. Very good cayenne pepper. Oh, fucking this Sorry, bloke and his cayenne pepper. Takes his he cayenne travels with his cayenne. Travels with it. Yeah. Internationally, domestically, socially, physically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you got had, it in like a hip mate, you got to listen to this story listen to this story we're sitting in the sitting in the I don't know nosebleeds section of this um, <laughs> stadium Stade de France watching the final go down right and there's this South African guy sitting in front of us actually one of friends of Angus Crichton Angus Crichton and he's a South African supporter and we knew he was 
South African right from the get-go. He was absolutely belting out the nas- their national anthem, like to a point where tears are coming down his cheeks, like passionate South African supporter. Turned around, obviously told us how good the pod was, uh, and then continued to watch the game. Every time that the All Blacks had the ball, he would say, smash them physically. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept going. And he would stand up, tears down his cheeks, smash them physically. <laughs> and then I was like, turn to Joy, he's like, okay, we're kind of. I thought he was taking the piss at the start, yeah. but that was his go-to rather than, you know, kind of just like belt them or smash them or just like... Or, or, not, it, not, or not fold them. them emotionally or fold spiritually. Them. Fold them. It was smash them physically. <laughs> and so what did we start? We started to say outsmart them mentally, <laughs> yeah. outplay them spiritually, <laughs> put more points on them additionally. <laughs> What else was oh, there? Mate, I don't know. Oh, it was Because yeah. Angus Crichton was there. Ooh, was he? Yeah, he was talking. There's obviously, a scoop. Obviously. Is he know, coming across? Yeah, uh, keen eye on the he game. Hasn't, he hasn't made a, made a decision yet. Um, yeah, he was sitting in with us for the final. Did you ask him whether he's going to play Union? Well, I, I mean, I asked him and he said he's going to think about it when he gets home. So, um, I mean, Very I saw player. reports, I think, from his agent saying because of what's going on that they've moved on from it. But ah. that was also, I mean, four hours after I, we watched the game. Have you noticed nobody tells the truth anymore? <laughs> People just toss stuff up. Yeah. In press conferences now, there's stuff in front of you. Yeah, I'm hanging around. Two days later, see ya. Um, should we do this quick? Tell you what is the truth. <laughs> that pie was fucking amazing. Yeah, I know. I've got one sitting there. I'm going to have it in a sec. Um, all right. Hey, it's time for the quiz. For those of you playing along at home, uh, it has been called Have You Been Watching Heaps? And this week's theme, ladies and gentlemen, is, can you guess it? World Cup Finals. World Cup Finals. Well done. A ding, ding, ding. Well, it's actually World Cup Finals um, and World Rugby Hall of Fame events. Okay. Um, George Smith, question one. Are you ready? George Smith was inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame to become Australia's 19th inductee. Which of the following Wallabies, players or coaches is not inducted? A, John Eels. B, Michael Liner. C, David Campisi. D, Eddie Jones. D. D. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, you all know the answer, do you? Yeah. D, Eddie Jones. <laughs> oh, I'll throw you off with that one. <laughs> How many views do we need in this episode to hit one million on YouTube for all our episodes? Ooh. A, 121K. B, 157K. C, 185K. D, 999K. Ollie, asshole. Ollie. I should know this because every moment <laughs> in our tr- our time in France together, Prof, he pulled me aside for pulled me aside for some YouTube stats, mate. Just come down here, let's go for coffee. Oh yeah, got some numbers for you to know show the you. The level of like ha- what you can find out in the stats page on YouTube, you can find everything out. You can See find. Yeah, yeah, right. The age of the people that watch, where they're from. Um, yeah, they, mate, they buddy take all your data, don't oh, they? Oh, it's heavy. Mm. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah, um, I'm gonna. Uh, I think B, 157k. Mm. Giddy. Um, that's what I was thinking, but Drew doesn't want me to go the same. Um, A. What was A? 121k. Mm, I don't think we're that close. Otherwise, you probably would have spruced about it, Prof. I'm gonna go 185. Oh, I think we are close. I'm going A. 
Ding, ding, ding. Swoop ball. Yeah. Well, either way, we're not getting it. No, we're not yeah, getting we 125K on this app. Sure. Well, ja- Jane, Janie will make sure of it. <laughs> you said some pretty good things about the Eddie leaving. We're hoping they grab hold of that. Who put on the mo- <laughs> Who put on the most weight whilst we were away? <laughs> A, Prof. I was there for 17 days. B, Gits. 30 days you were there. C, yes, Drew. 62 days. Oof. Or D, Swoop. Be there 24, 24 days. Yeah, nice run with that. Yeah. I'm gonna way? go A prof. Prof. Gets. So you're giving out the answers here, prof. Um I'm gonna go with prof. Yeah, it was me. Yes. Four and a half kilos. Four and a half kilos, and you had tap ass for a while too. Yeah, I had two days where I cleared everything out. The system <laughs> Well that's why you I oh, know, yeah, you put on weight. I put on, on four and a half kilos. Let's be honest. 82 and a half. Brisket. Brisket, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I've got a problem. Uh, yeah, four and a half. Gits, I'm assuming you've lost weight or something, or have you got more muscle no, mass I'm, or an no. extra, extra couple of <laughs> no, packs, six packs, eight I'll packs? I'll have a scan tomorrow, but I think, um, I think I'm about the same. Yeah. So, uh, you came back the same. I came back the same. Are we sure about that? I mean, less muscle, more fat, but same weight. Well played. Yeah, yeah. and swoop. Um, too scared to step on the scales, <laughs> mate. To be fair, very nervous. Um, which Insta reel had the most views out of everything that we did? A. Snorky on the porn master. Ooh, oh, that was good. That was a good one. B. <laughs> the French physio. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very good one. JP. C. Ooh, Dan Carter on the NFL contract. Ooh. D, Drew on the Fiji loss. Yeah. It's D. D. Fiji. I'm going to go DC of the uh, NFL contract. And you're both going D? Yeah, I have to go Drew. Yeah. Drew on the Fiji. Ding, ding, ding. It is D. Was it? Yeah. So, Pornmaster 384K, French Physio 588K, Dan Carter 433K, Drew on the Fiji loss 647K. <laughs> you needle mover, you. <laughs> Oh. Um, which means swoop. That I got four out of four. Mm. Hang on. Yeah, no, hang on, mate. Four out of four. I didn't get any wrong. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. No. Yeah. What? The numbers. What? Other numbers, yeah. Correct. <laughs> 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 All right, just a reminder, we are coming to the close of our show. On socials, you can get us at Good Bad Rugby AUS. Jump on and tell us what you want us to do next year. We're still not really sure. We've all got other jobs. Yep. Um, not sure what to do going forward from here. I think we can all agree that we've had fun and it's probably oh, it's something been, good for Australian rugby. It's been great. It's been great fun. Uh, not just this this season, but the, the first six pilot episodes and then uh, obviously the World, the World Cup was um, was bloody fun. Like, I've enjoyed doing it and... Uh, Thanks for, thanks for your time, boys, Gits, and all oh, of our team you, behind. Yeah, absolutely. Good on you, mate. It's been emotional. <laughs> <laughs> was that, Gits, was that your summation of the... No, um, it was more just, like I said, Drew's just been phenomenal. Um, no, it has been fun. It's good. You don't really, well, for me, not ex- we'll move you to the side a little bit, Prof. I don't get to see the boys as often as I probably should, so this forced me to get up and I have fun. Got to meet you, you, Prof, now web best mate. So, um, yeah, it's been really good. I've enjoyed it. Out of ball. It's been great. It's been emotional. It's been enjoyable. 
It's been physical. <laughs> um, but yeah, mate. No, it's great. Look, why not? Let's. You, you want to keep going? I would it? like to keep going. I've had I more mean, fun. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I've got to say it's the I most... Mean, oh, sorry, you won't. Next year's going to be a pretty busy year for Corporate Swoop, but um, we'll see how we go. What do you got on next year, mate? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> TBC. <laughs> but it's busy. But busy. Uh, I, I have to say uh, I've enjoyed it. Um, and it's um, it's been very authentic. I've made a lot of shit in my life, uh, but this one actually, you know, it's what people are seeing is what they're getting. Um, you know, we have to cut some of the stuff out. Sure, yeah, yeah. The Jeremy Paul episode. Yeah, Jesus Christ, <laughs> fifty-one have minutes we burnt of it. That, Hugo? <laughs> can you can you actually burn stuff these days? Yeah, burn it. Um, anyway, this is our last show, and it's uh, with a very heavy heart that I say, cheers, fellas. And also a massive thanks to the fantastic support of Harvey Norman. They have got more than rugs for the very best experience. Get yourself down to the home of technology, TVs, computers, mobile phones, gaming, and audio. So, if we have gone forever, you should treat yourself to an epic TV and speakers to listen back to the classic moments. Do you know something, Ollie? Have you written? <laughs> have we been cut? Um, okay. Nothing says I feel better than a big old spending spree at our dear friends at Harvey Norman. Um Big thanks to Ollie Silverton and to uh, Hugo Johnston Burt and to Kim, surname Kim. Go for it. Petersham. <laughs> and and that absent bloke, Tommy Erskine. Where's Tommy? Tommy. Still, still loved up on tour. Yeah, he's, uh, we might have, maybe Tommy's gone. Apparently he's proposing. Yeah. Is he? Anyway. Bye. Gibra. Gibra. Gibra.